Good morning. Thank you for joining us for our Word of the Day. Uh, this morning we're going to be looking at Job chapters number 40 and 41. And if you remember, uh, yesterday we looked at the uh, chapters where God shows up after Job has spent many chapters defending himself and accusing God of treating him unfairly. And Job's friends have spent several chapters accusing Job of being some unknown sinner. And since God judges sin and Job's being judged, then surely Job must be a sinner. And in what they're doing, it seems like they're accusing Job, but they're actually also accusing God just as bad as Job is. And then, of course, Elihu shows up. And he begins to rebuke both of them, and he kind of defends God and God's glory. And then God shows up, and he starts rebuking Job. And he basically uses nature, and he uses creation to rebuke Job by saying, look, look at how creation is. Look at the stars. Look at you know, the forces of gravity. Look at all the animals that I have created and I control. You can't do any of that, and so who are you to question me? And then in chapter 40 we get another response from Job. He's going to respond again in chapter 42, but right now he, he kind of answers. And look how Job responds in chapter 40, starting in verse number uh, 3. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. See, Job realizes his mistake. He realizes his, his faulty reasoning in accusing God or demanding an audience with God. And so Job answers and he says, look, I, I'm wrong in accusing you. I never should have done that. You are God. You are holy. You are righteous. You are just. I'm, I'm vile. In comparison with you, I am, I am disgusting and I have no right to question you or to challenge you. So he, he repents of what he said and how he said it. And he says, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm done. God, you're right. I'm wrong. And that's a, that's a pretty good place to be. But God doesn't let him off the hook. Look what God does in the next verse. Then they answered the Lord unto him, unto Job, out of the whirlwind and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. God says, Job, you asked for this. You wanted an audience with me. You wanted me to hear your case, and you wanted me to, you know, to judge whether what I was doing was right or wrong. You asked for it, you are going to get it. Look how God continues his rebuke of Job in the next verses. He says, Hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad, thy rage, cast abroad thy rage of thy wrath, and behold, every one that is proud and abase him. Look on every one that is proud and bring him low, and tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together, and bind their faces in secret. Then will I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. What God is challenging Job to do is be God for a while. He says, okay, Job, you think I'm wrong you think I'm unjust, you think I'm unfair, then you be God. You rule the world for a while. You control everything for a while. You execute perfect righteous judgment and continue to be righteous and holy and pure. And when you've done that, when you've been God for a while, then we can talk and I'll explain to you what I'm doing. 
Then God goes on to describe two animals that he has created and he controls called behemoth and leviathan. Look at what he says about these two creatures. In verse 40, chapter 15, it says, Behold, now behemoth, which I made with thee, he eateth grass like an ox. Lo, now his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are as strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring him forth food, where all the beasts of the field play. He lieth under the shady trees in the covert of the reed and ferns, fins. The shady trees cover him with their shadows. The willows of the brook compass him about. Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. He taketh it with his eyes, his nose pierced through snares. So he talks about this creature behemoth. And a lot of people believe that this is a hippopotamus. Um, I don't, I agree with some other theologians that this is not a hippopotamus because it just seems too big to be a hippopotamus. Plus, you know, he talks about his tail. He moveth his tail like a cedar. Uh, hippopotamuses don't have great big tails. Uh, like a cedar. You know, their tails are a little real small and just kind of use it to swat flies away. Um, but they don't have this massive, huge tail. Uh, I believe, along with a lot of other theologians, that this is a, this is a dinosaur. Uh, some huge, massive dinosaur, a brontosaurus or a brachiosaurus, just some huge, massive, you know, herbivore that is so huge and incredibly powerful that nothing can can destroy it, nothing can kill it, nothing can really bother it. And in the, in the dinosaur ages, those were huge, massive creatures that not even the T-Rexes really bothered with just because they were so massive. They would only wait for them to die of natural causes. Then they would, they would eat them. So this is probably some huge, massive uh, dinosaur that is extinct now. But then he goes on to describe Leviathan. And Leviathan is a sea creature. Look what he says. And starting in chapter 41, Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook, or his tongue with a cord thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose, or bone his jaw through with the thorn? Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? And he says, look at, look at this huge sea creature, Leviathan. Can, can you catch him with a hook? Can you kill him with a spear? You know, this is, this is a creature that man cannot control. And he, he keeps explaining him and describing him in verse 19. It says, Out of his mouth go burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostril go smoke, as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth coals, and a flame goeth out of his mouth. Again, there are some theologians that believe he's describing a crocodile. But again, the description God gives of Leviathan doesn't really describe a crocodile. I mean, once again, it's, it's too huge to control. Yes, people can catch and kill crocodiles and they do all the time. You know, they can spear them, they can hook them, they can, and even now they shoot them, but back in Job's day, they could catch a crocodile and kill it and eat it and skin it and use its hide. And he goes on to talk about the scales of Leviathan and how they can't be pierced and how no man can control him. And then again in verses uh, 19 through 21, he talks about Leviathan breathing fire. So this is probably another type of dinosaur, or even possibly a fire-breathing dragon. You say, Pastor, fire-breathing dragons existed? Well, according to the Bible, they did. And, you know, they talk about in Revelation, this great sea creature breathing fire coming up 
out of the sea and this great land creature coming, and it could be Leviathan and Behemoth returning. But you know, it doesn't really matter what these things are. It doesn't matter if they're hippopotamuses or crocodiles. Doesn't matter if it's a a land dinosaur or a sea dinosaur. Doesn't matter if it's a fire-breathing dragon. What matters here is God is naming two incredible creatures that he created and he controls and man can do nothing with. Man can't control them, even if it is a hippopotamus. You know, hippopotamuses, after mosquitoes, are the deadliest creature on the planet. They kill more people than lions and tigers and bears, oh my, combined. They are a very deadly creature. But behemoth was a massive deadly creature that man couldn't do anything with. You know, that you still can't tame hippopotamuses. You can, you can put them in a zoo, but you can't, you know, tame them and domesticate them. They're wild creatures that are, are very dangerous. Crocodiles, you can catch it and put it in a zoo, but you can't, you know, domesticate it and make it a pet. It's, it's a dangerous creature. So it doesn't matter if they're hippos and crocs or if they're dinosaurs or fire-breathing dragons. What the point is, is God is able to create something so powerful, so incredible, that no man can control them, no man can kill them, no man can tame them, but God can. And if God can do that, who are we to question God? Who are we to try to control God? We can't even control God's creation. So what makes us think that we can control God himself? And that's what Job was trying to do. He was trying to control God. He was telling God, look, I'm a good person. I do good things. I, I fear you. I respect you. I honor you. I, you know, offer sacrifices to you. I do good deeds. I'm not a bad person, so you owe me blessing. And God is telling Job and God is telling us he doesn't owe us anything. He owns us. We are God's creation. And so God doesn't owe us blessings for good behavior. God doesn't owe us an explanation for when things go wrong. What Job chapter 40 and 41 are telling us is God is in control. God does what God needs to do for our good and for God's glory. And it's not our responsibility to question him or to try to control him because we can't. Our job as part of his creation is to simply trust him. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for our word of the day. Hope you have a, a blessed day on this Friday, and hope you have a wonderful day Sunday worshiping the Lord and spending time with God's people. Love you.